Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. up everybody and how's it going i'm alex goldstick and you are listening to the spring forward podcast the spring league 2019 in austin texas is just days away from beginning all players will begin reporting to camp by the end of the week they'll have just over a week of practice before playing in their first of two games game days for the spring league will be on saturday april 6th and thursday april 11th both game days are double headers where all four teams will see action on the same day Tickets are available now at thespringleague.com. The Spring League features four teams, which are divided geographically by where players went to school, and are named East, West, North, and South. However, this Spring League, Team South has been rebranded with a local flair. The Austin Generals will sport a new logo and new colors, and will include the likes of former Jets draft pick Lorenzo Malden, former Texas Longhorns and other Texas school players, as well as our crop of international players from the likes of Japan and Australia. Today's episode features an interview with Blake Jackson, one of the Spring League's most recent NFL success stories. Jackson transformed himself from a D1 preferred walk-on at Southeastern Missouri State to a D3 national championship winning quarterback at the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor to an NFL slot receiver with the Cleveland Browns. Jackson made his NFL active roster debut in Week 17 of the 2018 season against the Baltimore Ravens. Without further ado, let's hear Blake's story. Blake Jackson is a wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns who was at the Spring League Showcase in San Diego in 2018. He's a former championship-winning D3 All-American quarterback out of the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor and has been transitioning to receiver for the past two years, one of which was spent in the NFL ranks. Blake, welcome to the pod. 
Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Now, the pod usually follows a chronological line of questioning about your football career, uh, but your birthday was actually earlier this month, and your son was born mm-hmm. on your birthday. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct, man. I had the you know the blessing of being able to have probably one of the best birthday gifts you can ever ask for, and uh, bringing in my son, uh, Legend King Jackson, to this world. So, yeah, that was definitely one of the best moments of uh, my life. Well, huge congrats on that. I don't think I've ever heard of someone who shares a birthday with their parent before, so that's really amazing. And, uh, you know, get used to, to splitting your birthday uh, with somebody yeah. else. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to mainly be his cake, and I'll just get like a little slice of it, but I have no problem sharing it with him. Beautiful. All right, let's get to the football then. Um, so you grew up in Houston. We all obviously know the level of enthusiasm uh, behind Texas high school football. Uh, tell me about your earliest memories of putting on pads and falling in love with this game. Uh, so actually my, my dad was a, a football coach. He coached at a West South high school for many years and, um, eventually ended up starting his own, um, football, you know, training and, uh, college prep, pro prep, uh, company, uh, called sports prep USA. And I mean, he's been doing that ever since I remember, uh, but I remember coming out of there uh, as a kid. I was like five years old, getting, training with guys that were in college, training guys that were, that were in high school. And uh, my first year of pads, I just remember just genuinely falling in love with the game. And uh, I remember after scoring my first touchdown, just how good that felt. Um, just, I guess, like the recognition and um, all, like after the game and all that kind of stuff, how people would be like, man, you're really fast or, man, you're really quick or, you know, just all, the, all that kind of stuff that came with it and just – um, I really enjoyed the process of just growing as a player uh, ever since I was a kid. And, and man, that, that's one thing that's always stuck through me through the years of playing this game. Now, your name was really cemented in the college football records during your time at UMHB, um, but you actually began your college career at Southeast Missouri State, uh, where you played six games as a freshman and then had a redshirt sophomore season before transferring. Um, mm-hmm. What was your time at Southeast Missouri like, and how did you make your initial decision to go play college ball there? You know, Southeast Missouri State was, uh, you know, it was a great opportunity. Uh, learned a lot from um, the coaches that, you know, I came in with there. Uh, it was Coach Sam at the time, Tony Samuel. And, um, and I learned a lot from him. Um, coach Hennis, he was a coach there at, at, as well, a quarterback coach. But there was a lot of things I learned from there, a lot of great relationships I still actually have from there. Um, and, you know, just – uh, I grew as a football player uh, when I was there as well. And um, eventually, whenever I decided to uh, – the way I actually ended up going to Southeast Missouri State was uh, my junior year of high school, uh, I had verbally committed to Mizzou as an athlete. And going into my senior year, uh, I still had some other schools on my radar that I wanted to, um, you know, try and gain their entrance and, and gain a scholarship to. So um, I didn't sign my letter of intent to Mizzou, but – uh, going into my senior year, second game of the season, uh, I ended up tearing and uh, tearing some ligaments in my ankle. Ended up being out for the rest of my senior year. Uh, and that process of that happening, I uh, ended up, you know, still weighing my options at, uh, for scholarships and schools and stuff. So uh, I ended up, you know, falling down off of Mizzou's uh, scholarship uh, board, and they actually ended up changing my scholarship to preferred walk preferred walk on and. Um, Eventually, you know, long story short, uh, there were some coaches that were at Mizzou that actually gave my name to some coaches at Southeast Missouri State, and uh, pretty much we got connected. I flew out on a visit, 
um, ended up falling in love with the with, with those guys had going on out there and um, committed to them when it came to signing day. Now, University of Mary Hardin Baylor uh, is in Belton, Texas, which is between mm-hmm. Austin and Waco. Um, mm-hmm. We've had a lot of UMHB guys in the spring league, but I still had to look that up. Um, it's got a little yeah. less than 4,000 students, but it's been a D3 football national powerhouse as of late. Um, yep. So what went into your decision to return back to Texas? So uh, family was one, uh, probably the major thing. Um, not, you know, my family didn't get to come out at all uh, to Missouri to be able to see me play. Um, so that was one thing uh, that came into the decision-making process. And then, um, you know, I wanted to go somewhere that was more prolific in – uh, you know, education, um, school-wise, and then as well as football-wise, and something somewhere that I knew had a strong uh, following. Um, and, you know, UMHB, just it being in Texas and being close to, you know, Temple, Austin, and clean and all that kind of stuff, um, it's so much football around that area that they um, – that that's like they have no – low expectations for UMHB. Everybody has high expectations for them to be a, you know, a winning team every single year. So I wanted to be a part of that tradition and be a part of um, what they had to offer. Uh, so at UMHB, you split your time at quarterback as a sophomore mm-hmm. and a junior. Um, well, redshirt sophomore and junior. But you really broke out in your redshirt senior year through throwing for 3,200 yards, over 3,200 yards, 35 touchdowns, and then you rushed for another 904 yards and 11 touchdowns. You were named mm-hmm. D3 All-American. You were an academic all-conference selection and were voted the American Southwest Conference Offensive Player of the Year. So was all of this just a matter of getting the reins to the starting QB job or something else in something else in you that clicked your senior year? So, you know, um, I've never been one to be, uh, you know, a selfish type of person. I always do what's good for the team. So, you know, when I came into UMHB transferring from a D1 school, you know, uh, everybody was hyping me up. Everybody was you know, saying all this stuff. Like, oh, man, you know, he's going to – he's definitely the guy, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, there was a guy there, Zach Anderson, who was one of my good friends, um, who had been at UMHB, and uh, he had, you know, solidified his spot as a quarterback. And when he was there, he – you know, he didn't lose many games, and they were winning with him. And so it was kind of a situation whenever I came in, um, you know, they they let me know, like, you know, we're going to split time between you guys. And if you're not cool with that, then we, we recommend you go somewhere else, but I've never been a selfish player. So, um, you know, I went ahead and went with that and, um, you know, it turned out great. And then, you know, there was times whenever people would come to me and be like, man, you should be the starter. You should get more playing time. But, you know, that's just outsiders looking in and that's just part of it. And you just got to maintain, you got to maintain and stay true to, to who you are and to your values and make sure you keep your everything, where it needs to be as far as uh, priorities and all that kind of stuff. So that's what we did. And then it got to my senior year and um, I got to show out. Uh, I was you know, the only guy that was at quarterback and I got to show out and just take the team as my team and, you know, ended up winning a national championship. So like you just said, that, that redshirt senior year, your final year of college football, capped off mm-hmm. of the national championship in which you were named most outstanding player of the Stag Bowl, which is what the D3 national championship is called. Um mm-hmm. In that game, you were 16 for 27 passing, 171 yards with a pick. But you really earned those uh, most outstanding player honors with 119 rushing yards and the game's only TD in a 10-7 win over uh, Wisconsin Oshkosh. So mm-hmm. take us through that game, and where does that championship sit in your life memories? Uh, man, yeah, that game was crazy. 
I know I know going into it, we actually knew it was gonna be a defensive battle. Um just with the, the factors of the weather that we had in that game. Um throwing the ball wasn't gonna be one of our main uh things in our game plan. So when we went into the game we knew we were gonna have to run it. Uh, I think I ended up running the ball like twenty nine times that game and uh we actually input we input a play about two days before the game that was all centered around me running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. And uh, you know, we got to the game, we were able to move the ball a couple times uh with that with that scheme and um and it was just crazy just the atmosphere, just you know, everything around the game, how it played out and um it was definitely probably one of the most nerve wracking moments in my life and definitely one of the most memorable football wise. We obviously know that you now bill yourself as a receiver. So what went into the decision of going from national championship winning QB to deciding to go after your pro dreams as a receiver? And when did you make that call? Uh, so uh, I talked to my agent, uh, Jerry Marlett, after, uh, you know, when we got when we sat down after the, the um, championship and we got into the pro day training and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we made a decision pretty early on that we were going to you know try to do both, but uh, work on more receiver um, than quarterback. And so that's what, you know, ended up happening. Uh, just, you know, my, through my whole football career, I've always been an athlete. I've always been able to play multiple positions and um, having a coach as a father um, who knows so much about the game. You know, he played running back in college, was All-American running back in high school, all that kind of stuff. And he uh, so I had that natural just athleticism in my in my DNA. So, um, you know, he also surrounded me a whole bunch of guys that knew the game as a receiver. Uh, Russell Shepard, you know, he was out of uh, Thigh Ridge and he um, played quarterback as well in high school. And then he also went on to LSU to play quarterback. And then he ended up changing eventually uh, at LSU to receiver. And, you know, I learned a lot from him um, on how to transition and then just watching guys like Edelman and all that kind of stuff. Um you know, just I took a lot of their game and put it into mine as well. And so, you know, I just work. I worked every day, just perfecting my craft, working on my craft, uh, studying film, uh, nitpicking, you know, guys that are in the league that play receiver, just asking them, you know, what what to do, what not to do, you know, just just getting all these little little bitty details to put into my game to, you know, help me uh, reach my goals and, you know, uh, that eventually happened, and you know I, I'm still doing it. You can ask Jarvis right now. I still am in the ear asking him, you know, for advice, asking him what to do in this situation, what to do in that situation. You know, it's, and it's paying off. We hear a lot about some smaller school athletes doing their pro days at bigger schools, and you are obviously mm-hmm. no exception. Uh, you had your pro day nearby at Baylor. Um, mm-hmm. What do you remember about your pro day? Take us back to what your expectations were during that time before the draft. So I remember my pro day going into it, um, talking to Jarrell Freeman, who also played at UMHB, and you know he eventually had a, a good career in, uh, in the NFL as a linebacker uh, with the Colts and the Bears. He, you know, he let me know whenever he came out, he had his pro day at Baylor as well, and that uh, how he was going to be and all that kind of stuff. And so I eventually, um, you know, going into my pro day, I, I had like an idea of what was going to happen, but. Went in there and um, it was different. It was definitely different. Um, they split us up into two groups. So if you didn't go to Baylor, um, you didn't perform with the Baylor group. So you had to wait for the Baylor, Baylor players to get done, and then then you would come in after the Baylor players, and then you would do your your pro day. So 
uh, that was the only thing I'd say on that day that kind of threw me off a little bit with that. But, you know, I, that's just adversity to being thrown your way. and You just got to overcome it no matter what. So, you know, I went out there, ran my 40, ran a good time. Uh, from what I heard, I ran one of the fastest 40s and then uh, had, had some really good testing and just, you know, showed out and did what, what you know, I had been working on. So um, I left my pro day feeling pretty good. And, you know, we had some interest from some, sc- some scouts and all that kind of stuff and some teams. And it was just all a matter of getting the opportunity to, to you know, get some private workouts and all that kind of stuff uh, further down the road. So, unfortunately, you, you went undrafted. And spoiler alert, this mm-hmm. is only, you know, two years ago. So this is, you know, we're very re- – we're talking about some very recent times. Um, yeah. But you were signed by the Calgary Stampeders up in Canada uh, as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you were part of the team's last round of cuts uh, in training camp there. But – it must have felt good to be recognized not only as a professional football player, but as a professional receiver less than a year after making uh, the position switch. So do you think that your experience in the CFL was a positive one and take us, take us through Calgary? Yeah, it definitely was a positive one. You know, that being my first uh, experience as a pro player, uh, pro football player, and not only as a pro player, but like a receiver, just getting that recognition as like, Hey, yeah, you can play this, this position uh is just like confidence builder uh, per se so you know when i got up there i learned a lot um from those guys up there as well and uh, those coaches as well um you know it's, it's a completely different game uh when it comes to receivers you know you get to run and start and all these different little things to your advantage as well so um but you know i also learned a lot about separation creative separation um just little little bitty details that i still use in my game today but um yeah man there was it was, it was definitely a time that I did enjoy. Um, I did grow, and um, it just all worked out. Um, you know, after I got cut, uh, released, it just all worked out in my favor afterwards uh, when I ended up with, with Cleveland. Right, and before we get to Cleveland, that brings us to the Spring League, where uh, mm-hmm. you continue to hone in on your receiver skills. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we mentioned before that there's been some other UMHB alums that have found the Spring League. Um but how did you find out about the Spring League and ultimately get accepted to play at the Showcase in San Diego? Uh, yeah, so the Spring League, I actually, I you know, obviously when that was the year, I believe, I was set to go. It's so crazy. I was set to go to the Spring League in, in Austin um, when Johnny was, was in it. And I actually couldn't go to that because I was going. That's whenever I had signed with Calgary. So I knew of the Spring League beforehand. And then after Calgary came back and then I, you know, saw that they were having the, uh, the San Diego showcase. And, um, I was like, yeah, I definitely got to hit that up. Me and, uh, Nick Truesdale, uh, we actually were together up in Calgary. And so me and him were talking back and forth about that. And we ended up attending the San Diego one, uh, showcase together. And man, it, it, that was great, uh, experience as well. Um, just the competition that they had out there. Uh, at all positions, you know, just the, the guys that are out there that are hungry and, you know, just waiting on their opportunity and all that kind of stuff. And, um, the coaches, the people that they had out there coaching and teaching all that kind of stuff are guys that definitely know exactly what they're talking about. They have the experience. They have that, that NFL, uh, CFL background, uh, really know what they're doing. Uh, that was one thing that, that really, uh, that I was really, really, really happy with, uh, after leaving. Uh, the spring league in San Diego. So like you said, you were signed by the Browns just a month after the San Diego showcase. Uh, mm-hmm. How much of that signing do you attribute to your time with the spring league? And uh, what was the timeline like after you left San Diego? 
So after say after San Diego, uh, I think it was I had I know I had a workout. I say about two weeks, two to three weeks after the spring league, um, had a workout tryout uh, with uh, the Browns, and uh, you know that that all went well. I used my film that I had retained from the spring league in San Diego as really that like I that was the biggest thing. I didn't have film uh, at receiver, so. The spring league really helped me with uh, gaining that film and uh, being able to send it out to scouts and say, here, this is what I can do. And, um, you know, um, the Browns have got a hold of it. They called me for a workout literally the next day, and I got that workout in. and um, The rest was history. You're just one season into your NFL career, uh, but it seems yeah. like you've, ex- you've experienced so much of what life is like as a professional football player. I mean, so mm-hmm. you were in camp, then you were cut. Then you were re-signed to the practice squad a couple of months later, uh, all before making your active roster debut in Week 17 last season for the Browns. So mm-hmm. throw all that into the fact that the Browns were on hard knocks last season. There was a coaching change between when you were there the first time and your return, and now obviously the team is the talk of the NFL. So mm-hmm. let's try to tackle all that bit by bit. On a personal <laughs> level, take us through the first time you hear from Cleveland and head to training camp and then preseason with them and, and the whole HBO crew. Yeah, so, uh, you know, first time I heard from Cleveland, it was actually crazy. It was, like, um, the day after I figured out that I was going to be having a baby, um, that we were pregnant, that I literally got the call from Cleveland um, saying, hey, we want, you know, we want to bring you in uh, for camp and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it was just a true blessing. It was it was very just um, – eye-opening and just like it was probably one of the most craziest times of my life uh that I've ever experienced and uh so you know we got up to camp um I got there I think the second day of camp and uh pretty much just got thrown in there and uh you know that's just how it is you know you go in there and you get it's it's a job interview and you got to be ready for it at all times so you got to camp you know all the hard knocks cameras are there all those people are there uh in training camp in Cleveland is crazy uh fan base there is amazing uh when it's camp time it's literally like um i believe the first training camp practice i was there that was probably the most people i've been in front of like on a football field in my like including umhb and the championship game and all that kind of stuff it was packed and um so you know we go out there um nerves have never been really a factor for me so like i wasn't nervous or anything i was just ready to get to practice and get to work so we got out there and uh you know Got to practice and my first practice, it went really well. Uh, I was making really good catches, all that kind of stuff. Uh, just pretty, you know, implementing myself onto the field and into the, to the minds of the fans and to the organization as well. And, um, you know, uh, with hard knocks and all that stuff, it's kind of like the first week when you're there, uh, you recognize all the, the cameras and all that. But after that first week, it's like they're not even there. You know, you don't even pay attention to it. It's just like they're just other people, uh, just in the in the building. So um, that experience was, was pretty crazy. I know I was watching Hard Knocks, uh, just kind of waiting for, for Blake Jackson uh, cameos. So I remember, mm-hmm. you know, you had the Jarvis Landry speech that went viral. You were in the room for that. Um, yeah. You were, uh, I believe you were on camera chasing a pigeon out of the stadium in the end zone <laughs> once. And yeah. then uh, in week four of the preseason, you caught a touchdown, um, yeah. which is a very cool picture. But, you know, mm-hmm. what, what was your family and friends like in reaction to your appearances on, on national TV? 
it was crazy, man. Like even like before those those three main like camera times on that show, uh, even like my mom was probably like the craziest one, of course. But she would send me like literally it'd be like the back of my head and like half of my shoulder where you could see half of my name, and she would send me a picture. Oh my god, he's on he's on Hard Nights. I see you. Da da da. I'm just like man, chill out. But uh, she would post it all on Facebook. You know, it's a proud proud mom moment, so I can't do anything to stop that. But uh, that was probably like the funniest thing. But whenever I started getting more camera time and all that, um, definitely like, you know, college teammates, friends, coaches, everybody that I've known for like my entire life, all that kind of stuff just was like reaching out and just saying, hey, bro, it's so cool to see you, you know, living out your dream and, uh, you know, just keep working, all that kind of stuff. So it, it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good experience with all that. And um, definitely, definitely a crazy time when it came to the Jarvis Landry speech. And in my touchdown, um, when, when I scored my touchdown, I, there were so many people that were hitting me up and uh, congratulating me and saying good job and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if HBO has ever picked the same team two years in a row, but I think the Browns oh, might, yeah. be a, might be a good one to cover again this season. Yeah, um, I think I think it would be amazing if we got it again because just with you know adding uh, O to our team and um, just the other guys that we also have added. And then with Kitchens as our coach, Freddie uh, as our new head coach, it, it's going to be even more just like not even just like entertaining, but just more just for some like fun to watch more um, of a uh, brotherhood, I, I, I would say. Now, we'll get to Odell in a second, but much like Calgary, you're part of the last round of cuts uh, last season uh, after the preseason in Cleveland. Um, but then you're brought back. So at what point did you think or you know that you were going to make the active roster to close the season? Um, so it's so crazy. So um, during, you know, when I was on the practice roster and stuff, uh, one thing that you have to do on the practice squad is you have to come to work every day ready to work. Um, you got to treat every practice. You got to treat every workout, every meeting, everything the same as if you're on the active roster. But you got to treat your practice like it's your game day. And that was one thing that I made sure I did every single day, day in and day out, was to come come to work ready. And, uh, um, you know, I was actually supposed to be active. They were trying to get me active with four four or five games left in the season. And I was, you know, I was so hyped with that. They would meet with me almost every week saying, hey, you know, we're trying to get you active. We're trying to get you on the field. And, um, you know, it was just something that they were just like, you know, be patient with us, be patient with us, be patient with us. So, um, you know, we had some injuries at linebacker. We had some injuries at O-line. And, um, like I said, I've never been a type of selfish player to sit there and say, nah, it, you know, I need to be the guy that needs to be on the field. Like, screw y'all. Y'all need to get me on the field, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I've never been that type of person. So, you know, I just understood the situation. I understood that I needed to stay patient, and I did. And I just, you know, controlled what I can control. And eventually it put out towards the end of the season. And then um, as well going into this offseason, just what they have, um, you know, what they the expectations that they have on me for next year are, are very high. And uh, I can't wait to get on the field this next year and get ready for, um, you know, this run that we're about to have. So I'm, I'm a lifelong Giants fan. So this next question is going to be a little tough for me. <laughs> I'm going to try to get through it. The Browns are crushing this offseason. Um, yes. Dorsey. What goes through your mind when you find out that you're now colleagues with Odell Beckham Jr.? Uh, man, you know, it's awesome being able just to, like, eventually, you know, when I went to the Browns, um, first time, uh, you know, having Jarvis as a mentor, because uh, he's probably the number, me and him played the same position, 
uh, we're in the slot. So uh, I learned like everything from him. And, you know, he, he's a great mentor. He's a great teacher. Uh, you know, he just like I used to watch his film before I even knew about me going to Cleveland or anything. So it was just crazy how that all worked out. And then uh, being able to have Odell in the room as well, um, man, that's going to be, you know, just that's going to be wild being able to have somebody with that experience, with that athleticism, with everything he's accomplished as well uh, as a receiver, uh, being able to, you know, nitpick his brain is going to be pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that, uh, being able to, you know, witness, uh, you know, some of the things that he does and be a part of all that is going to be uh, a really cool, really cool experience. I've actually been able to interview Odell for a, a past job of mine. So definitely say hi to him. And I've got to say there's, there's no one in sports with a different uh, perception um, between the rap he gets from the media and what he's actually like in, in person. So um, yeah. very excited for you to work with him. He's an amazing guy. And, you know, as you can mm-hmm. see from the reaction from all his teammates and all the players, everyone loves him. And it's, it's the media that, oh, yeah. that gives him a bad Oh, yeah. Rap. I already know. I already know about that. We've, we've talked about that before. And, um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, um, that's just how it is in, in the, the, you know, sports world. You know, sometimes people get flipped to seem like the bad guy. And uh, it's unfortunate, but, you know, it goes back to yeah, you can only control what you can control. And that's just how it is. You got to keep it moving. Last question. You're in the offseason now as an NFL receiver. You're no longer mm-hmm. a rookie. Uh, mm-hmm. What are the down months the offseason look like? And what's your outlook for the 2019 NFL season? Uh, man, going into this offseason was I was very excited. I was excited to get to work. I mean, you know, some guys, they take off like a month or a couple couple weeks of training and they let their bodies heal and all that kind of stuff but you know I got to work right away um that's all I that's what got me to this point uh, and where I am right now in my career is work and uh and so that's that's what I've been doing um ever since you know I got back to Houston uh where I train at but I've just been you know working on receiver um working my craft working on um, you know, just getting stronger, faster, all that kind of stuff. And also one thing I've been doing that I hadn't do last off season was um, I, I have been in the film room more watching film, watching my own film and also, you know, doing uh, other things to take care of your body as well as like, you know, rehab and um, therapy type stuff and all that kind of stuff. Cause it's, you know, your body is your, your moneymaker. Your body is what, what gets you on the field. Your body is what is going to, going to allow you to play, um, you know, all the way to the Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's something that I've been also doing, and I have more of a perspective and more of an idea of uh, what an NFL athlete is supposed to look like. So uh, that's something that I've also been working on as well. And, you know, this next season, um, it's very exciting, man. I'm ready to get back to work. I actually go back to Cleveland March 30th um, for workouts and all that kind of stuff. So I, I can't wait to get back out there and get back. Uh, you know, around the organization, around the team and all that kind of stuff and get to work. And, um, you know, this next season is going to be great being able to play along, you know, Odell and Jarvis and Baker and all those guys and uh, just all the weapons that we're going to have on our offensive side of the field. Um, And, you know, one big thing that I can't wait to uh, do is uh, help out in the special teams as well with the return game. Uh, That's one big thing that I that they want me to, you know, get doing. And that's what I've been working on in this, uh, this offseason is my return and punt return, kick return, all that kind of stuff. So I'm really excited for that as well. So you mentioned the Super Bowl. The Browns, obviously, after the last week or two they had, have, have shot up 
into in terms of the odds, top five Super Bowl odds now. So uh, we hope you make it there. We we uh, we hope you're on the active roster all the way through there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, what a, what a big year for you. Uh, yeah, it, man. It couldn't be happier for you. Yes, appreciate you. Yeah, it's definitely blessings coming this way, and there's more blessings uh, coming this way for my family uh, in the future as well. All right, Blake. Thank you so much for your time. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for the second episode of Season 2. Thank you to Blake for taking time out of his off-season training schedule to talk to me, and again, congrats to Blake on the newborn son. Best of luck to you preparing for Year 2 in the NFL. As a reminder, tickets for both game days of the Spring League 2019 in Austin are on sale now at thespringleague.com. Game days are on April 6th and April 11th. All games will take place at the Kelly Reeves Athletic Complex in Round Rock. You can follow the Spring League on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Spring League. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Alex Goldstick. All music was provided to the Spring Forward podcast by Joshua Rosner. We'll be back next week live from the Spring League in Austin. Later. Later.